Welcome back to the Red Fern Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, my husband, Jeff, and we're going to talk about two novels, or perhaps they're memoirs. You can decide. And the first one is The Topeka School by Ben Lerner, and the second book we're going to talk about is A Bright Ray of Darkness by Ethan Hawke. But before we get to both those books, I want to talk about a couple of things that I'm listening to. The first thing I want to talk about is music. So in my household, I am always outnumbered when it has anything to do with popular culture. Uh, nobody likes my music taste. And actually, I don't really like theirs. But the problem is, is that there are three of them and one of me. And so... I recently discovered a new um, ensemble that I really like, musical ensemble. They're called the Brooklyn Duo. And I found them in my Pilates class. The instructor was using them and uh, playing them. And they're just very similar to the kind of music that was available that you heard in Bridgerton. So they do uh, take popular songs and do classical crossover covers. And they cover Beyonce, Lady Gaga, and then they also do my favorite kind of music, which is 90s and 2000s kind of angsty stuff. I love Coldplay, I love Radiohead, and I don't want to apologize for that anymore because in my house I tend to have to. So um, this is a husband and wife team. They're named Marnie and Patrick Laird. She's actually from Vancouver. They're both classically trained. Uh, She's a pianist and he's a cello player. And I think you should check them out. And I actually played them recently and Jeff walked out of the room and then I went online and saw that they have 46,000 followers. And I have a feeling that you might be with me and think they're pretty great. So check them out. The second thing I wanted to talk about is a favorite podcast. It's called Criminal with host Phoebe Judge. She is a bit of an idol for me in terms of, I love her interview skills. I love her, her production and I, I love her voice. She has one of the best voice in radio and podcasting. It's deep, calm. Um, and she has a little bit of lisp, a lisp in her like speech, which gives it a little bit of character. But anyway, she, if you're into true crime, this is I I would check this out. And she's come up through public radio. So this is true crime meets public radio. And the tagline is, who's done wrong, been wrong, or caught somewhere in the middle. And she tends to take um, offbeat stories. Uh, Some of them are historical. Some of them are current. They're usually kind of everyman type stories. She's got a wonderful way of interviewing people with respect. Um, And they're usually pretty entertaining. But one of my favorites, I'm going to list, this this podcast has been around since 2014, so you can get overwhelmed by the choices, but I have two real favorites that I will um, tell you about in the show notes. But the first one has to do with a dog napping case of a famous dog in the 1950s named Masterpiece. This dog was a poodle and was in all kinds of dog shows and magazine spreads and 
I think had special food and clothes and one day went missing. And so there was a dog hunt across, or man hunt across 13 states to find Masterpiece. And you'll have to tune in to find out what happens. And then my favorite episode is with a guy named Dan Stevenson. And he, it's called He's Neutral. He lives in a horrible neighborhood, a crime-ridden neighborhood outside San Francisco in Oakland. He's lived there for 40 years and he got fed up. There were police around all the time, drug dealers, sex workers, and then someone started to make a trash dump outside his house. So he decided to put a Buddha, he's not Buddhist, in front of his house. And what I'll say is it stopped everybody in their tracks. And I'm not going to tell you more, but it was a very positive, heartwarming thing that happened. So check those out and let me know what you think. Now let's move over and talk with Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Amy. So there's a lot of special things about today. Um, For those of you who don't know, Jeff is my husband and he's here today. And um, the second thing is this is my first in-studio, a.k.a. the dining table interview. It's just one more thing we can do together. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. Together time. Can't get enough of that. Um, And the other thing that's kind of momentous is that you actually finished two books to come here today. And I'm on my third now. So what's going on? Why are you reading so much? I'm reading so much because you're doing a podcast and we're talking about books all the time. And and actually, I wanted to come on the show because I thought it would be really fun. So you wanted to get in on it. I wanted to get in on the action, so I read some books. And actually, I loved it. And I won't say I, I didn't actually read the books. I did Audible for the very first time, which was quite, you know, super interesting for me and in how it transformed reading because it's just so, uh, yeah, it's great. I really like it. I agree. I've started to use Audible, too. I think the thing is you have to make sure the narrator, you like the narrator. You do have to like the narrator. And actually, my experience with Audible between the two books was very different because one is narrated by Ethan Hawke, who's amazing, and the other one is not narrated by Ethan Hawke. And it was still really good, but not Did the other author narrate that book? No. Okay, he didn't. He didn't. Okay, so let's get into the books because there's there's a lot to talk about. Um, The first book that we both read is called The Topeka School. It's by Ben Lerner, and it was written in 2019, and it was the finalist for the Pulitzer Prize and also the finalist for the National Book Award. And Ben Lerner, this is not his first novel. He's written a few, and he's also a poet. And what this book is about, it's about a character named Adam Gordon, who's a senior at Topeka High School. And in 1997, his mom, Jane, is a famous psychologist, feminist author. His father, Jonathan's also a psychologist. And the reason why they're in Topeka is they are both, both parents work at this famous institute that in the book they call the Foundation. Um, he is, Adam is also a championship uh, national debater. Uh, he's planning on attending an Ivy League school. He's a popular boy, so he's kind of dealing with a lot of the social pressure from from that. Um, this book shifts time periods. It is set in the 
present, I don't know if we're going to say future, it's set in the past. It's told from four different, there are four different narrators. It alternates between Adam, his mom, his dad, and another boy, another peer named Darren. Um, and it's also an example of autofiction, which both these books that we're talking about today are examples of autofiction. And really what they are is it's a fancy way of just saying it's a biography, but it's not. So um, this term was coined in 1997, or not, sorry, 1977, but it's become quite popular in the last decade. And um, been so the the this way of writing has been associated with a number of good American novelists, such as Ben Lerner, Jenny Offal, uh, Philip Roth. Um, and so with that said, what did you think of this book? Well, I would say while I was reading it, I found it quite difficult to get through because it, it as you're saying, it shifts time and it shifts perspective, and it does that even within a sentence or within a paragraph. So it can be very difficult to tell where you are and yeah, it's just a, it's a complicated book to read. It takes a lot to think about. And so at times I was like, I don't know, but by about three quarters of the way through it, all of the themes started to tie together and you could see how it, the history of this family relates to history that's happening right now. And then I was like, oh, I was fully bought in. And by the end of the book, he ties it all together so well that it's a book I just can't stop thinking about. I couldn't stop thinking about it afterwards, which to me is the sign of a, a really good book. Now, talk to me a bit about language, because you brought this up to me early on, um, the way language is used literally and symbolically in this book. He uses this word twice in the book. The word is glossolalia. And I had never heard it before, so of course I had to look it up. And what it means is speaking in tongues or speaking in language that's so voluminous that it's mostly about the language and not about what's actually being said, not about the content of what's being said. And that's the, to me, the most pertinent theme in the book because it's actually a theme that's going on right now about dialogue that's going on in the political US. Um, and it's also a mirror of how the writer writes. The book is largely about the language. You can actually almost just read his words and not really think that much about what's in them. And they're beautiful, just on their own. He's like a word writer. And you can see again how it all ties into his background of debate. They use the word in his debate, um, you know, experience uh, in, in his youth, they use the word the spread. Mm -hmm. And the spread is, you know, putting down so many different arguments and using so much language that it's hard for the competitor in the debate to actually address them all. And every not... Uh, addressed argument is a dropped argument in debate. And that's actually what's going on right now in U.S. Um, you know, politics. That was really interesting. I, I loved like really getting deep into the whole debating world. And that's true. Like basically they were saying that the spread, it isn't the best argument. It's almost a loophole to... Um, it's about making arguments that can't get picked up. That can't get picked up. actually confuse the other debater because there's so many made arguments. And that's really what's going on in, in Trump America. The, the thing I wanted to note as well, I actually grew up in Kansas City, which is referred to in this book, which is the big city not far from Topeka. And the sense of place in this book really resonated with me. There's a big tornado 
image of a tornado on the cover of the book. But what I also thought was really kind of interesting growing up in the Midwest in a conservative town, um, this institute is actually, um, it's a, it's a, there is a real institute there. It's called Menninger's, and um, it's very famous. It's the most famous psychiatric, it's a clinic and um, school. I heard the school has since moved to Texas, but in the country. And so it's bringing all this kind of intellectual elite, people from New York, people from Eastern Europe, but then they're blending in with more conservative um people that have grown up there. So that's kind of interesting to me that um, the, like, you know, these two, these two kind of very different groups all living in one town, these people wouldn't be there if it wasn't for this Institute. Um, But the other thing I thought was interesting was that, and I'm wondering if you can address this is they talk a lot about toxic masculinity. And what's interesting is these uh, boys that are being raised by their parents that are these, psychologists and psychiatrists are supposed to be quite enlightened and the parents have all kinds of talks with them and are in touch with things but they seem just as toxic to me these children as the regular kids in the town they all just kind of seem more so because you know they're all taught to communicate but the things they're communicating don't tend to be the things that are you know causing their angst like throughout the story you know there's all these examples of sort of male toxicity and, 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 and males butting heads. And it's, it talks about essentially how society, you know, creates that, that dichotomy for men. And so it is largely a statement about what's going on, you know, for white males in America right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so I, I recommend this book. I would say it's not for everybody. It's for somebody that's looking for a challenge or... I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, no, it's a great... It took me a while to get through it. It's not a page turner. No, it's not a page turner, but it's a, you know, it's a deep thinker. It's It's a deep thinking book. Yeah, lots of fun. Okay, so now we're going to move over to uh, a book that's kind of, it's just like this book, but a lot lighter and, and a lot of fun. And, um, it's called A Bright Ray of Darkness by Ethan Hawke. It was published just this year. And it is about a 32-year-old movie star named William Harding. And he, the year is 2003. He's had a highly publicized affair um, on his rock star wife. His marriage is completely falling apart. He's moved into a hotel apartment. Um, he's got two young kids, and he's just... He is a, um, a movie star, but he's just decided to do Henry IV on Broadway, and he's playing um, this character, the qu- he's quick-tempered and impatient, and his name is Hotspur. And so this is a very, very thinly veiled portrait of Ethan himself. Um, I he This is not Ethan's first book. This is actually his fifth book, and I bet you didn't know this, Jeff, but his first book, published in 1996, had a similar premise, and the character was also named William Harding. Oh, there you go. So that was kind of interesting. So, Jeff, what did you think about this book? Well, I listened to it on Audible, and it was totally infectious. Like, listening, because Ethan Hawke narrated it, it's, you know, largely a story that, if it isn't about... Ethan Hawke directly is very closely related to things that he went through. 
And so listening to him tell this story on Audible was awesome because it felt so deeply personal. And he's just such a great orator and actor. And the book, you know, the book is all about, you know, this guy's personal tragedy that's going on in his life and how he gets saved through art. And so it's ultimately a book about artists making art and, you know, how art can save people and actually, you know, ultimately sort of save society, I guess. Um, and it's just a, it's a really interesting portrait, portrait of a, of a male going through a problem and, and a really deep crisis and how he kind of can't get out of the, out of the way of his own ego. His ego just keeps sort of getting in the way and it's because he's a big actor. And it's also a commentary about, you know, the public lives of, of actors and famous people and how they get consumed and sort of twisted in media and how that's a very difficult thing for for people to live through. So I thought it was just super fun. I loved it. I loved listening to it. They, in all the publicity around this book, it talks a lot about the celebrity and, you know, this is really autofiction. It's Ethan Hawke, blah, blah. But really at its heart, this is a movie, a book about the theater and uh, inner workings of the theater. So if you've ever been in a play... I haven't been in a lot of plays. I was a rock in a play in grade four, <laughs> but but I but I've been in some plays. But if you're a theater person in any way or want to learn about it, like basically what I thought was really interesting is you can imagine. I mean, I would think I'd be panicking going on stage and broad going on Broadway, and I think it's normal to completely panic and like they panic every night and they like, and to watch he's, it shows him having these meltdowns and it's it's super fun watching all these characters backstage at this production of Henry the fourth and just, you know, Ethan's Ethan Hawke's character development of all the other players in that production is awesome. They're super fun and colorful and, they all have egos and they're all sort of coaching each other. And it's actually, yeah, a lot about this sort of camaraderie and drama that goes beyond, you know, on behind stage in, you know, for drama to be put on on stage. And I, I did have to look up who was really, because he wasn't in play. I think it was the same year. Oh, around I was super curious about And that. so I get this. I looked it up to find out who are these people, because there's a couple of people that don't come across that great. And Falstaff, who's supposed to be this asshole or not nice, um, uh, full of himself, a movie star, is Kevin Klein. Oh, no. And so I'm wondering, because, like, I love Kevin Klein, and is this really supposed to be? It's this is the thing about autofiction. You don't know is it true or is it not true? And but that in in the real play that um, he was in, it was Kevin Klein was the lead, and then um, Lady Percy, who was like had this thing with Ethan Hawke in the play, is played by Audra McDonald, who also I would not suspect that. Um, of either. So, but that's the whole thing is you're kind of left wondering. And Who knows? And that's the thing. And I thought it was funny that when know. we listened to him speak for, you know, the Vancouver's Writer, Writers Festival event that was put on, they didn't really, nobody really talked about that. Nobody really addressed I it. I think they purposely, I think he wants to not answer those questions because I think that's about art, right? Because then, enough. and then you're left wondering and guessing. But we do have to mention this 
So what Jeff's referring to is the Vancouver Writers Festival has events throughout the year that actually anyone can attend virtually now, and you don't have to live here. So my listeners in the United States and other places, you can log on. But they did a winter book club, and um, Ethan was... uh, he, he reviewed this book or he was there to talk about his book and people were just going crazy. And I have to say, uh, Me too. at the end of his talk, he, st- he gave this impassioned speech about the value of fine arts and basically how essentially after medicine and housing, it's like the top thing that we should care about. And, and he convinced the, me. Like he said I it's really the believe- number one measure of a good society is the art they produce. And if you look back at high functioning societies, they always produce great art. And the ones that didn't, like in the dark ages, didn't produce great art. And and it's really true. And he he actually talked a lot about, you know, the gutting of funding for the arts in the US and, you know, he was quite upset about it. And I I think he's right. He he was great, and he's actually. And then my friend um, Miriam, who was actually on the Zoom call, she was said, "You got to check out the this movie he's been in called Maudie." So I don't know if you've seen that, but talk about art house film. It's set in Nova Scotia. Whoa, art house film. It's talk talk about. It's set in Nova Scotia where he actually has a place. And if anybody thought, I mean, I think that's the big surprise. We've all grown up. You and I are the same age as Ethan Hawke. We actually named our child Ethan, which I don't think was conscious, but not with Ethan Hawke. But, but <laughs> maybe. But anyway, he um, he uh, is very just full on artistic guy, and it was oh, and the super fact that exciting. He made that mo- movie Maudie, which is could not be further off, you know, Hollywood. Yeah, is unreal to me, and it just speaks to the fact that he just loves art for art's sake. He does. Thinks it's the most important thing in the world. And it, yeah, it's pretty neat. He's an inspiring, inspiring dude. So I will say, um, this is my favorite book that I've read this year, for sure. I would say so. I really recommend it. Mine too. <laughs> but yeah, I don't you, have a lot to you get about. one of two. Of course, you're not going to choose the Topeka School. Whatever. It was close, though. I, I really Whatever. liked it. It just wasn't as fun to read. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's good. And. Um, I just want to thank you so much. Not that you had full, well, you really wanted oh, to be on no, this podcast, I was super to but do I, it. I told you that you need to Don't get come me on. I'm in. So maybe, <laughs> will you maybe read some more books and come Absolutely. back? Absolutely. I'll definitely come back okay. if I'm invited. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I'll, and um, I'll thank talk to you so later. Much. This okay. has been super fun. Okay. Bye. Okay. Well, I thought that actually went pretty well. I have to say I was a little bit nervous about um, doing this podcast with Jeff, but I've decided he can come back. So he says he already has some plans, and actually he's already told me he wants it to be around music, so that should be interesting. But to review, today we talked about Brooklyn Duo Musical Group, the podcast Criminal with Phoebe Judge. And then we reviewed The Topeka School by Ben Lerner and A Bright Ray of Darkness by Ethan Hawke. And I wanted to uh, let you know I'll be back on April 26th with Whistler librarian Jeanette Bruce and we're going to get into short story and fantasy. 
And in the meantime, um, if you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if um, you went on and gave a good review and let um, or shared with others and it would mean a lot. Thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you later. Bye.